Morning, everyone. Nice to see you this morning. Yeah, if you're visiting, very warm welcome to you. Hope you enjoy uh, being with us. And hi to everyone who's watching online as well. Really great that you can join us this morning. So, um, a couple of weeks ago, Precious and myself, we went down to Oxwich Bay to the restaurant there for lunch. And Tammy and Zeno had kindly bought me a, a meal voucher for the restaurant there for my 30th birthday. And uh, it had been postponed once because of lockdown, postponed twice because of the next lockdown, postponed again because of the fire break. And uh, fortunately, they were very kindly extended my voucher multiple times because it was out of date ages ago. And um, but when I rang them up, said, oh, it's me again, um, they were fully booked like all the way through the summer. So we were waiting for a cancellation. And a couple of weeks ago, uh, or about maybe a month ago, they, they gave me a, a little message. We got a cancellation on Sunday uh, afternoon. So it was brilliant. So we went down straight after the meeting, Sunday afternoon, lovely day. And then when we drove up, we got to the car park, and then suddenly it dawned on us, because obviously it's at the beach. It was one of those like beach car parks, and you know where they got like a man, um, you know, attending the car park, and it's like five pound all day or three pound all day or one of those ones. So we're like, oh no, have you got any cash? So we're looking around the car, have you got any cash? And we managed to get like one pound twenty pence. And so we drive up to the guy, and I was thinking to myself, oh, if if you know, we, you know, they give you like a time slot as well. We were there just on time, so I was thinking, oh no to find a ca cash point near Oxwich. Like, we're going to, you know, if he doesn't let us in, or if he doesn't take card, we're going to miss it. So I said to him, you don't take card, do you? And he was like, no. And, uh, and I was like, oh, look, we haven't got, we've come to the restaurant, we haven't got enough money to get in. And he's like, oh, well, how much have you got? And I was like, well, we've got like £1.20 for a £5 ticket. And he said to us, oh, do you know what? Just, just go for it. I'll let you in. And he gave us a ticket anyway. Isn't that nice? So I really appreciate that. That was very kind. But then, roll on a couple of weeks later, and I, and I get a letter through the post. In fact, I had two letters through the post. And the first one was from Park Forest Vach. And just after lockdown, pressure myself, we had, we had a whole load of things to do, which we'd saved up. We had stuff to get for our wedding. Precious had, had to go and buy glasses for the first time. She had a prescription for the first time. I needed to go to the Timpsons to get my watch fixed. I needed to do a food shop. I needed to buy some shoes. We'd saved it all up. So we thought, do you know what we'll do? We'll go to Forest Park. We'll do it all in one go. So we went down to Forest Park, smashed it all out in one go. It was rainy. It was drizzling. There was nobody there. Boom. We did it all in one go. I come home. A few weeks later, I get a letter through the post. A £50 fine because we'd been in Forest Bar for three hours and 15 minutes, and apparently you could only park for three hours. Did anyone know that? I didn't know that. And do you know what? I was so frustrated because we'd been shopping the whole time we were there. The car park was virtually empty. And obviously, you know, when you've got a camera, isn't it? They, you know, they, the, the purpose of them is to make sure you're not taking advantage, isn't it? You don't, you know, park there all week and can't, you know, but so oh, that was a shame. Now, you'd think we would learn our lesson, but then a little while after, another letter comes through the post, this time from Park Towie. Notorious Park Towie, isn't it? Now, I don't know about you, how, how long do you think you can park in Park Towie? If you, it's down in the centre, it's a free car park. Just show me with your hands, what are the different ideas that we've got? We've got four hours, three hours, two hours. Yes, do you know, so it used to be three hours, didn't it? And then they put it up to four hours. And the last time I'd been to Park Towie, probably before lockdown, it was four hours. And we went down there, we met with Ian Darko for some food, and we'd been two hours and 15 minutes, and we got another fine because they changed it to two hours. So bear that in mind, everyone, if you're counting on four hours. Can you believe it? So 
Oh, I was so again, it was, we'd gone in the evening, it was dead quiet, there was hardly any cars in the car park, so there was loads of space, but we know that we? With a ca when these camera operated cars, there's no grace is there, there's no wriggle room, even if the car park's empty, if you're over that time, bang, you're getting a ticket. But isn't it nice that in real life, with one another as people, that we are capable of showing grace to one another? that we are capable of being generous with one another, that we can give someone the benefit of the doubt, that we can extend forgiveness and we can show each other grace. And isn't it nice when someone does that to us? Don't we really appreciate it when someone extends us grace, when someone forgives us, when someone is generous with us? We all appreciate that. But we know as well it can be a little bit of a challenge sometimes when it's our turn to extend that little bit of grace or the benefit of the doubt or to extend forgiveness towards others. But we know, don't we, that it's a great way to live and it really benefits us and brings wholeness to our lives and to relationships and it makes relationships work when we extend grace. And as we continue our series, we've been looking at the life of the early church after Jesus had come into the world died on the cross, raised to life again, returned to heaven, and now the church and the followers of Jesus were doing the things that Jesus did, the very first church who were telling everyone about the amazing things that Jesus had done, and we've been tracking with what it looked like for them. And extending grace and forgiveness, this was something that they put into practice. As followers of Jesus, they began to do the things they'd seen Jesus do, and they began to forgive and extend grace to one another, just as Jesus has forgiven us freely as well, and the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit empowers us to do it. So in the New Testament, we see some of these letters from Paul, who was a follower of Jesus, and he wrote letters to different uh, churches who were beginning to follow Jesus and discovering about him. And this is a few examples here. So he says this to, uh, in Colossians, a letter he wrote that says, Since then, you've been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on the things above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. So keep your eyes on Jesus. Do the things that Jesus did. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. And patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And in Ephesians, he wrote again, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as Christ forgave you. Follow God's example. And in 1 Thessalonians, make sure that nobody pays back wrong for wrong, but always strive to do what is good for each other and for everyone else, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. And so we're going to explore this a little bit today about extending grace, about extending forgiveness, about bearing with one another and how it looked practically and how they put into practice. And we're going to actually look at Paul's uh, experience because Paul, he benefited from this when people extended this to him. And so let's, we're going to have a look at this together. Now, Paul, uh, Adam shared a bit of his story last week. And uh, Paul was, a re his real first name, if you like, or his name was Saul, and later he changed it to Paul. And the reason he changed it was, when he was Saul, uh, he was persecuting the early church. He was chasing down the first followers of Jesus, arresting them. He didn't think that it was in line with the Jewish law, and so he was arresting them, putting them in prison. Many were even sentenced to death. 
And one day, he was on one of these missions to a town called Damascus, trying to track down Christians and to bring them back in chains uh, to prison. And when he was on this road, he met Jesus and his life changed. So let's have a read of it together. It says this, Meanwhile, Saul was uttering threats with every breath and was eager to kill the Lord's followers. So he went to the high priest. He requested letters addressed to the synagogues in Damascus, asking for their cooperation in the arrest of any followers of the way. That's what they used to call Christians back then, uh, that he found there. He wanted to bring them back, both men and women, back to Jerusalem in chains. And so he was on this mission. And then this is what Paul describes what happened next. He says, as I was on the road, approaching Damascus about noon, a very bright light from heaven suddenly shone down around me. I fell to the ground and I heard a voice saying to me, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Who are you, Lord? I asked. And the voice replied, I am Jesus the Nazarene, the one you are persecuting. And Paul, after he hears this and he stands up, he realizes that he's been He's been blinded um, by the, the light. And uh, he says this, The people with me saw the light but didn't understand the voice speaking to me. And I asked, What should I do, Lord? And the Lord told me, Get up and go into Damascus, and there you will be told everything you are to do. And so the people who are with Paul, they take him by the hand and they, you know, they lead him because now he's blinded into Damascus. And this was a, a turning point, as you could expect, in uh, Paul's life. And suddenly he realizes that Jesus is alive, that Jesus is God. And the things that he's heard about Jesus, how he had died for the things that we've done wrong so we could have forgiveness, so that we could know God in our lives, so that if we welcome Jesus into our lives, he forgives us for the things we've done wrong and we receive the gift of eternal life and can know God in our lives, all the things Beth was sharing with us amazing. And he realizes this. But could you imagine what it must have been like for him in that moment? He's, he just realizes that Jesus is God, and he's just been attacking, arresting, sentencing to death Jesus' followers. Could you imagine like, how that must have felt? You know, if, like when you were in school and you, know, you were doing something, and, and, you were, and then you realize the head teacher's watching that feeling that, oh no, like could you imagine how Paul must have felt, what must have been going through his mind? But here we see the amazing forgiveness and grace of Jesus, that Paul's past was not held against him, and that God still had a purpose and a plan for his life, and he found forgiveness, and he went on to do amazing things. And this is encouragement for all of us, that forgiveness is real, and that we are, when we give our lives to Jesus, we're given a fresh start and a future, and we can live free from guilt, and we don't have to have the past weighing on our shoulders, but we can walk in a freedom. And this was Paul's experience, and he said that my experience can encourage everyone. He said this, this is a trustworthy saying, and everyone should accept it. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the worst, but I was given mercy so that in me, the worst of all sinners, Christ Jesus could show that he has patience without limit. His patience with me made me an example for those who would believe in him and have life forever. And so we can take real encouragement from Paul's example, you know, what he must have been thinking in that moment. He must have thought his life was over. But God rescued him, and he went on to do amazing things. And for us in our lives, you know, when we've made mistakes or we've tripped up, and we might be thinking like Paul is, we know that forgiveness is real, that God has a purpose and a plan and a future for our lives. His patience is without limit. Isn't that amazing?
But meanwhile, in that moment, in Damascus, put yourself in Paul's shoes, how you're feeling, how you're processing all this. And meanwhile, in the city, Damascus, there was a Christian there called Ananias. And God spoke to Ananias, and he says to him, I want you to go, and I want you to go and pray for Saul. He's, he's in Damascus. And when Ananias hears this, at first he's surprised, he's shocked. And it says this, it says, Lord, Ananias answered, I've heard many reports about this man and all the harm he has done to the believers in Jerusalem. And now he's come here with authority from the chief priests to arrest all who call on your name. It's like, God, are you sure? Like, this is Saul we're talking about. He's, you know, arresting and killing and attacking us. But God says, go, go to see him. I've got a purpose and a future for his life. And so Ananias goes to see Saul, and obviously changed, Saul changed his name to Paul, so we call him Paul. So Ananias goes to see Paul. And in this, you know, if you've heard this story, Ananias is famous for showing courage and trust in God to go and see this man with this reputation and knowing why he'd come to the city in the first place, what courage it took. But also, what might not be as obvious is how Ananias displays huge generosity and grace towards Paul. And, you know, we could have gone, because God said, but he could, and he could have gone, like, reluctantly. You know, we could have gone to Paul and given him the cold shoulder or been really awkward or, you know, guilt-tripped him and withhold help and try and make Paul, you know, feel guilty and things. But let's read how Paul describes his encounter with Ananias and how Ananias treated him. This is what Paul said when he's retelling this story. He says, A man named Ananias came to see me. He was a godly man, deeply devoted to the law and well regarded by all the Jews of Damascus. And he came and stood beside me and said, Brother Saul, receive your sight. And at that very moment, I was able to see him. And then he told me, The God of our ancestors has chosen you to know his will and to see the righteous one and hear him speak. That's talking about Jesus. For you are to be his witness, telling everyone what you have seen and heard. Now, what are you waiting for? Get up and be baptized. Have your sins washed away by calling on the name of the Lord. And I love how Paul recalls this moment of how Ananias treated him. When he says that, Ananias, he stood beside me and he called me brother. And he said, the God of our ancestors has chosen you. See how he says, you're included, you're welcome, you're my brother, the, you know, our God, the togetherness. He welcomed Paul, words of affirmation, words of welcome, words of generosity. And it's amazing how Paul, you know, Ananias prayed for Paul, and, and, then, and then Paul could see, and, and he was healed. And uh, I love what Paul, when he talks about this, he doesn't just say, uh, Ananias prayed me and then I could see, but Paul says, at that very moment, I was able to see him. That, that was the thing that stood out to him, that he could see Ananias. We can see how important Ananias was for Paul in this moment, what a difference that he made. And it makes me think, you know, it's interesting that, you know, Jesus had appeared to Paul directly. Um, Jesus could have told Ananias, uh, sorry, Jesus could have told Paul everything he needed to know. Jesus could have healed his eyes in that moment. Jesus could have sent him out. But Jesus chose to send Ananias. Why did Jesus choose to send Ananias? Why didn't Jesus just do it all himself? Why is that? 
And that's because Jesus wants to partner with us, his people, his church, his followers. He wants to partner with us to bring his goodness and his will and his kindness and his love and his healing into the world. We are called to live like Jesus did. And for Paul, when he experienced the grace of Jesus through Ananias and the way Ananias treated him, it made all that Jesus had said and his forgiveness and his welcome, it made it personal and tangible and brought it into his experience. And Ananias lived it out and demonstrated it for Paul. And Paul could see that it was real and he really did have a future and a role to play in the church. And so for us in our lives, we can see how important it is, how we treat one another. And when we live like Jesus, what a difference it makes. And like Ananias, you know, we all in our lives will have times where we have that opportunity. And we may not always want that opportunity, but we have the opportunity to extend grace and forgiveness and mercy and kindness outwards to others. And uh, one story that I love, Bethy did our kids' spot this morning. When uh, we went, went to the same university in Exeter, and I was a, a year ahead of her, and um, Beth moved into a house um, with two friends that she knew from church and two friends from their course. So there was five of them together, and two, three, three of them were Christians and two of them weren't, and they, they were lovely, and I used to pop round, and they, you know, they were brilliant friends, and they all got on so well. And after they all finished, they stayed together for a few years, after they finished uni, one of Beth's friends who wasn't a Christian, she was staying on to do a master's and all the others were um, heading off. And she came to Beth and she said to Beth, she said, Beth, when I stay next year, can you help me find some Christians that I can live with next year? Because living with you three and seeing how you love one another, how you are gracious towards one another, how you, you know, the dynamics of the house. You know what it's like when you, you first move in with people, isn't it? You know, it's all that, you know, working out how, how you live with others, but how you've treated one another. So this is a new experience for me, and it's been amazing, and I want to live with Christians the next year as well. So can you help me find some? Isn't that such a fantastic example? And when we live like Jesus and when we show grace like he did, it's, it's powerful. And it's an amazing thing. So how can we put this into practice? What can we learn from Ananias here in this little example here? Let's have a little look. So I've got a few points for us. So the first one is this. When God says to Ananias, go and see Paul, we see that Ananias' first reaction is he's shocked by this because he knows Paul. He's heard of Paul. And understandably, Ananias wasn't the biggest fan of Paul, and he probably didn't want to go. He didn't have warm feelings towards Paul. And you know, for us, when we've been, um, here we are, I've heard the reports about him, you know. For us, when we've been wronged in some way, big or small, when we have a grievance, you know, we aren't feeling positive about the situation, aren't we? You know, we don't always have warm, nice feelings towards the issue or the person or the situation. And we might feel hurt, we might feel let down, we might feel angry, we might be frustrated, we might be confused. And obviously all this is real and all this is normal. And in that moment, I can imagine Ananias would be confused and possibly angry and just, but this is, you know, this is Paul, like, you know, all the things that he has done. But we see that in this moment, Ananias shares how he feels with God. He shares it with him. He's honest with him. He opens up his heart to God. And for us too, you know, when we are in these moments, and this is how we feel inside, we can bring that to God and we can unburden our hearts with God and let it all out with God. And this is a place 
where we can do it and we can talk to God and we can share how we feel. We can get it off our chest and we can ask him for his help. And when we do this, the first thing to know is that Jesus understands how we feel. Jesus understands that pain, that frustration, that anger, that difficulty. He understands that hurt. And when Jesus appeared to Paul and challenged him about you know, the way that he'd been going and the life that he'd been living and the things he'd been doing to others, it's interesting that Jesus says to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? You know, Jesus identified with those who were suffering. Jesus knew what they'd been through. Jesus felt that himself. And Jesus had been through that himself. Jesus was betrayed. Jesus was let down. Jesus was abandoned. Jesus was beaten. Jesus was murdered. Jesus understands how we feel. And Jesus overcame. And he can empower us too to overcome and to find freedom and to respond in a way that brings life and healing and brings a future. He knows how we feel. And when we invite him into the situation, he can empower us through the Holy Spirit to respond in a way that brings healing to us and can bring restoration and help us move forward. So that's the first thing, to bring our grievances to God in prayer. And then the second step is this, to reject revenge. Now, the other day, a few of us were down the beach of our small group, and Sam and Jenny uh, were there as well with Abby and Josh. And if you know Abby and Josh, they're like, I don't know, three and two, I think, maybe four and two. And they're lovely. They're good as gold. They're so cute. We were between us. We were taking turns of looking after them. And it was my turn. I took them down to the beach. We were playing by the water. And it was getting a little bit late during the evening, of 6, 30, 7, 8 o'clock. And they're good as gold. But there was that little bit where, you know, and they just starting to get a little bit tired. So I think, oh, okay, let's, let's get them back up to the parents. So we were done. So then we, we came back up to the top where all the, we were all been hanging out. And they'd, earlier on, they'd been building some sandcastles. And as they were kind of, Josh inadvertently, um, trampled over Abby's sandcastle. And Abby goes, oh no, Josh, that's my sandcastle. And is all like disappointed. And then immediately proceeds to walk over to Josh's sandcastle and stamp on Josh's sandcastle. At which point Josh bursts into tears. And then I'm, I'm looking, where's Sam, where's Sam, where's Sam? And unfortunately Sam, he comes over, you know, he's, he's lovely Sam, isn't he? And he, you know, he, he sorts them out and whatever. But in that, in that moment with these, you know, the two little innocent children, two little toddlers, we see in that moment do we, that our instinct sometimes, when someone does something to us, sometimes our instinct is to get, that pay, to get paid back, you know, to get paid back, to stamp on their sandcastle. And, you know, that can, that can look in all different ways. Sometimes that, that's an in, it becomes an internal response, you know, where we hold on to that hurt and we think, you know, I will never forgive this. Or we, we have a, a resentment towards that person, or what's that happened? And, and we, we kind of try and seek payback somehow internally by holding on to it and not letting it go. Or sometimes, it, you know, it can come outwards, you know, where we, we talk about that person behind their back, where we maybe show aw- we're awkward with that person, or we don't talk to that person, or, or we withhold help from, from this person. You know, we know they need help, or we deliberately make things difficult for them. Or even physically, you know, we lash out, we stomp on their sandcastle. And what we see in this little example with the little ones, payback doesn't work. Payback just doesn't work. It's destructive, and it doesn't help us. And when we hold on to hurt, and when we choose not to forgive, it's, and when we try to get payback in that way, it, does, it doesn't just make restoration harder, but it also affects us. It affects us, not even, no matter what happens with the other person, it affects us as a person. Nelson Mandela said, 
Resentment is like drinking poison and then hoping it will kill your enemies. Resentment it stops us from finding healing and from being able to move on. Instead of finding healing, it can sink deep into our hearts and it can begin not just to affect that relationship, but it can begin to affect all of our relationships and all of our, all of our lives. In Proverbs, it says, love prospers when a fault is forgiving, but dwelling on it separates close friends. And in Hebrews, it says, it warns, it says, watch out that no poisonous root of bitterness grows up to trouble you. And resentment is very dangerous and harmful for our lives. And the Bible and Jesus gives us an alternative way. Now, that doesn't mean that, like this in the Proverbs here, when it talks about forgiveness, that doesn't mean that when we're wronged or there's a situation that we, that we never address it. It doesn't mean that we just, you know, like let it wash over us or be like, you know, pushed back or walked over. Or we don't address wrongdoing. When Jesus appeared to Paul, he addressed his wrongdoing. He was basically, Paul, what you've been doing is wrong, and I want you to stop. And when Ananias met with Paul, he said to him, you know, what are you waiting for? Get baptized. Have your sins forgiven. He was saying, you know, that was wrong. Change your ways so, you know, we can address it. Thinking back to my car park story, if me and Precious went down to Oxwich Beach again today and we didn't have any cash on on us, the guy might let us in again, he might be generous again, but if we went down the next week and the next week and the next week and the next week and didn't bring any cash, at some point you would expect him to say, like, look guys, I don't know if there's a, a problem or something, but, you know, if you're going to come to the car park, you do need to pay, you know, it's not fair on the other drivers if you keep turning up for free, and, you know, if you want to park free, then there's a, um, you know, there's street parking up the road or come after five o'clock but it's not fair on the others. You know, you'd expect that to happen, wouldn't you, to address it and to put a boundary in place if need be. And, and that, that's much better than smiling and letting us park and then when we're on the beach, going and letting our tires down, you know? Because revenge, it doesn't work. It doesn't solve it. Um, but we can address it in, in, a, in a right way. And so the Bible, it warns us against seeking revenge and looking for payback because it's damaging. But instead, it gives us a positive solution. And this is what Jesus said. You've heard that it was said to love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. And pray for those who mistreat you. And Paul wrote this in Romans. Never pay back evil with more evil. But do things in a way that's, that everyone can see you are honorable. Do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. Dear friends, never take revenge. Instead, if your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they are thirsty, give them something to drink. And in doing this, you'll heap burning coals of shame on their head. Don't let evil conquer you, but conquer evil by doing good. And this is the last point here, to conquer evil by doing good. And, you know, we, like I said, we all face wrongdoing, big and small, in our lives, and, you know, many times. But here, Jesus gives a powerful and positive action that enables us to take control of our own response and to be restored with his help. And when we choose to repay evil by doing good, the first thing that this does, it brings freedom to us. When we choose to forgive from our hearts and let go of the desire for payback, and when we leave that in God's hands, who we know sees all things and is fair and is right, and when we, we leave that in his hands, it releases a burden from within us, and it opens up our hearts to be healed. 
We invite the goodness of God and His power into the situation. And it's not about whether it changes the other person or not. It's not sometimes even about whether the other person is sorry or not. The first thing is how it affects us and our response. And even if something, you know, even if the other person doesn't change, even if they're not sorry, or even if something is taken from us that we can't get back, for us in our own lives and in our own heart, we can choose not to allow ourselves to be overcome by evil, but to respond to evil by doing good. And this brings a peace to our heart. By doing good, instead of taking revenge, we act in the opposite direction of what's happened to us. And that's a powerful action that brings freedom into our lives. We're not being held captive by the way that we've been treated, but we choose to overcome it by doing good and by doing something different. And that is powerful. And that's how we partner with the Holy Spirit who leads us into freedom. And I know it's easy to say, and it's a challenge to do, but the Holy Spirit can empower us. And that's why it's practical. It's something, you know, sometimes we don't feel like it, but it's a a choice to do it in the action. And it releases freedom in us, and the Holy Spirit helps us. As we do it, we can often find that we experience that peace and freedom quickly because the Holy Spirit brings us into our lives. But other times, it may be a process, and it may be step by step, and we need to get someone alongside us to pray with us and to help us and to help us journey into it, but we can find freedom as we follow Jesus' example. So firstly, these things that help us personally, one, bring our feelings to God, share it with Him, and invite Him to help. Secondly, reject revenge. Reject revenge and instead overcome evil by doing good. We extend goodness and grace and forgiveness. Just like we've received from Jesus, who's given to us freely, we can extend in the same way. And then finally, as we do this and we find a peace and a freedom in our own lives, the amazing thing about this is it gives the opportunity for restoration of that relationship and transformation to take place in that situation as well. And this is what happened with Paul and Ananias. You know, as we said earlier, Ananias, he could have gone, he could have gone with bitterness and you know, try to get payback and been awkward, or he could have chosen not to go at all. But instead, he went and he showed goodness and kindness, and he rejected payback, but he went and he did good. He spoke generously, graciously. He shared with Paul how to find forgiveness. He shared with Paul what God had for him in his future, and he went and he shared goodness with him. And as we see, Paul's life was transformed, and their relationship was restored, And the plan and the purpose that God had for their futures came to pass because of Ananias' choices that day. And so, you know, even so much that we're still reading about it now and we can learn from it now. So for us, in our lives, with one another, with our friends, with our family and work, at university, with our housemates, let's choose to follow Ananias' example. Let's choose to show grace. Let's choose to extend kindness and forgiveness and love to one another. And let's allow the Holy Spirit to empower us and to help us and see the difference that it can make in people's lives as we put Jesus' words into practice. So you up for that challenge because it makes a real difference. So why don't we pray and let's ask God to help us as we, as we do that. Father, I thank you that you love us so much and your grace is so much 
that you would even give your own son so that we could be freely forgiven. We thank you for what we've received from Jesus, the grace you have shown us. And Lord, we know that because of what you have done, we can extend that outwards. Holy Spirit, I pray, would you come now and fill us with your power and help us in our lives to not be overcome by evil, but to conquer evil by doing good. And if there's anyone here today, and as you're listening to this talk, you know, it's, it's raised up some feelings of some experiences you've been through where you've been let down or there's been a challenge or there's been a falling out and you, it's like on the surface right now and it's, you know, and it's hard, to, it's a wrestle. Sometimes it's hard to know what to do with it. I just want to encourage you to invite the Holy Spirit and say, you know, Jesus, this is a challenge for me, but would you help me? Would you help me to, to forgive and to repay evil with good and with forgiveness and to extend grace? So if that's you, just say, just say, Jesus, this is a challenge for me. But would you help me to forgive? I want to follow your example. You know, and as Paul wrote, Jesus' patience is without limit. He knows that this can be a challenge sometimes. And he's willing to walk with us step by step so we can find increasing freedom. So Holy Spirit, would you come and fill us now? Bring your peace to our hearts. Would you help us to take a step forward in this if there's been a challenge for us? And would you empower us in our daily lives to act like you did and to show grace and kindness and forgiveness? Thank you, that's what you've given to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Great, thank you for listening.